Today, we welcome Sam Purley from Hornets.com to talk about his exit interview takeaways, maybe give us a behind-the-scenes look about the relationship between some of the core players on this team, and we'll talk about off-season expectations, all of that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, the show handle at Locked On Hornets. And you can follow our man, Sam Purley of Hornets.com on Twitter at Sam underscore Pearly always. What did you call him before the show? Before we started recording, Doug Pearly Pearls. Is that what you said? I said, he's got the Pearly Pearls. He's got the, right. he's got the pearls of wisdom. The, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the info that, uh, makes us get, that makes us go. Yeah. I, I feel like that word describes Sam perfectly. He is as Hornets wise as anybody in the biz. And we welcome him today on lockdown Hornets. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's good to see Doug here. I know he's been been dodging me the last couple times I've been on. No, so he ran, must have run out of excuses. I'm intimidated by you, your presence. It's, <laughs> uh, it's I'm just, it, I it think makes last me scared two, a little bit. Right. The last two times that we had you on, it was not a we thing. It was a me thing. I had you on. You helped me out with no help from Doug. He was out doing help. He was doing work for, I guess, the Lockdown Podcast Network. He had bigger fish to fry. And so now he's helping us with you coming in, giving us your exit interview takeaways. Me and Sam hanging out at the Spectrum Center Thursday and Friday. Long time, three hours at a time. Ate some potbelly sandwiches together. Wow. I got the turkey. What'd you get? What was your go-to? Oh, oh man, I don't even remember. I think it was a chicken club or something. And I remember, too, well, it's like they've only started breaking them up into two days the last couple of years. I think there was a time where they did all the exit interviews yeah. all in one day. And it was it's just kind of like media day. I mean, you could be in there for five or six hours. So oh, I, I like the, rough. yeah, I like the breaking, Such I like the breaking baseball. it up. <laughs> well, look, the reason I ask about his go-to though, is because I remember Sam bringing up surprisingly. So that pot belly, a hot sandwich place had PB and J's, right? Like there's yes. peanut butter and jellies out here, which just sounds like it doesn't belong. I don't know. I don't know if I'd get a PB and J from pot. Certainly belly. not a hot one. No, that would be gross. <laughs> We've had our jelly debates here, but I know for a fact we can all agree on not getting a hot peanut butter and jelly. We were both at exit interviews the the Thursday and the Friday, listening to everybody speak. Sam, what were some of your takeaways just overall? We'll start with the uh, the the big picture here. Just what were some of your takeaways, the most noticeable things uh, that you heard from some of the players that spoke? Yeah, I think just in general, it was kind of, uh, I think it's always a little challenging with especially how the game played out Wednesday. And it just kind of, you know, as we saw, and I'm sure you guys have rehashed, you know, into that third quarter and things just got away from them so fast in that Hawks game. And it's almost like kind of a shell shock moment. And then you go right into the next morning about uh, talking about the season as a whole. And I just think it's, it's always kind of challenging. I always think, and I know this isn't how they're traditionally done, but I think if you did exit interviews, maybe like two or three weeks later, I think you could kind of get some more reflective answers. And so I think it's always just kind of challenging when um, you go like, you're still kind of trying to process the loss, but also keep the whole season in perspective. And it can just be a little bit difficult. Uh, but overall, I thought, you know, everybody seemed to be in, um, you know, recognizing that the 43 wins was obviously a, you know, a huge step forward this season, the recognition that in really any other season that would have been, 
you know, at least the top eight seed, if not, sometimes even maybe even a top six seed, they wouldn't even have been in the plan tournament. So um, I think some of the, you know, the overall, I think it's kind of recognized that from across the board, coaching staff players that obviously the the defense needs to take a little bit of a step forward next year, along with the rebounding and stuff. Offense made a big jump this year. And now uh, it's just about putting the whole thing together. So when they get in that situation next time, uh, you know, they're ready to go. And and hopefully again, next year, it's not necessarily using the plan tournament there uh, in that top six seed. Yeah. I mean, you talked about, you know, their kind of reflection over it. It did seem like there were some players that did try to go back and say, you know what, we did have the 43 wins. I think Terry Rozier was most reflective of all of that. When he said James Borrego said something that kind of lifted our spirits a little bit. And it was the 43 wins. It was the fact that the Eastern conference was so strong. And he also immediately when asked about the season said, you know, I'm going to remember, you know, kind of going over graduation, right? Good times, good people. Like he was saying all of that, but you can really see his relationship, how strong it is with LaMelo with miles miles bridges also talking about how obviously he's going to be a restricted free agent. He said he'd love to play with Terry and LaMelo for the rest of his career. And we'll see if that takes place, but overall, Sam, like you've been in a lot of locker rooms, like you've been with this team for a while now with a bunch of different forms of whatever the Charlotte Hornets are. And they've always had a pretty tight one. Like you've always seen a lot of the guys get along really well. I just feel like those three specifically very much so embrace the brotherhood of of, the top three players, essentially, right? Gordon, you know, we'll see what happens, but like those three guys, I I feel like really have a really strong relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, um, I, one on the court, I think they complement each other very well. I think Terry and LaMelo have made, you know, really, really, you know, obviously make up a really good backcourt unit and, uh, you know, miles, with, you know, the high flying stuff and the dunks and the alley-oops. I mean, that stuff, I mean, they just love playing together. And I think that's obviously going to foster a really good relationship. And I think there's certainly an element of, you know, when Terry, um, Terry came in and started the 2019, 20 season miles was there. And then you started with, I forget how many wins they had that year, maybe like 23 or 24 in the COVID shortened season and just kind of, kind of really starting from the ground up and then taking a next step forward last season and adding LaMelo and taking another step forward this year. Um, I think that kind of stuff, again, fosters into the relationship of, you know, we are part of, you know, building something here. And I think that kind of strengthens your relationship because you've been through the downs, you've been through the ups, you've gotten, you know, you felt like, you know, I think those guys really want to be here when, you know, or they, I should say, they really want to be here, I guess, when this thing takes another step forward. I mean, it it means something when you started kind of in that 22, 23 win and just see it progress and um, have been kind of the core foundational guys um, in this rebuild, retooling kind of era. So uh, obviously I think they're very, very close and, and you, you can feel it too. They have fun. You see them joking around, you see them, you know, messing with each other on the court in the locker room and things like that. So um, yeah, I think the, the, you know, the love they have for one each other is most certainly real. So, so what do you think is missing? I mean, they, they've got the core foundational pieces and, and that core seems to really enjoy playing with one another. And, and it seems like, at least from an offensive perspective, a lot of their games are complementary on the floor and they, they made a lot of things happen offensively. But, but what's, what, what's that missing piece then? Why, you know, this is the, the second straight year that they've 
they've gotten really blown out of the water in the play-in. Uh, what's what's been that missing thing? I mean, it, did they give any indication in these uh, exit interviews as to what they feel like is is missing at this point? Yeah, I think it, it's. I think obviously watching that Hawks game and and seeing some of the later games towards the end of the season, even that Philadelphia and Miami back to back um, is obviously the defense needs to take a little bit of a step forward. And I think not only, I mean, I think the defense is 21st or 22nd, which if you have the number eight offense, you can get by in the regular season, but when you get into the playoffs and we're seeing it already in these first few games, I mean, look at this Miami defense, what they're doing to Trey young right now. I mean, it's, he's something like two of 21 with, you know, almost double digit turnovers in two games. I mean, it's just a different, uh, different animal when you get into the playoffs, it's, it's defense, it's rebounding, it's, um, you know, the games slow down, you know, there's a lot of like 95, 90 kind of games right now. I mean, it's, I, I think it's being able to be a little bit more round, well-rounded in playing style. And some of that comes with just experience, but you not not be able to win run and gun up and down offensive shootouts in the playoffs. It's just not necessarily going to happen. You got to find ways to grind out points in half court possessions. You got to find ways to grind out points when you're not forcing a lot of turnovers. I mean, everyone thinks, I mean, the playoffs, those are the best teams. I mean, every single night you're playing a very, very good team in the playoffs. Um, so some of that comes with experience. Some of that comes with um, just kind of, you know, sometimes you have to go through a couple, you know, I think even so last year when that, in that Indiana game, I think the team was kind of on fumes. It was a little bit of a, you know, tough season with the, per, you know, with health and safety protocols and COVID and the condensed schedule. And I think now you get to this Hawks game. It's like, okay, now we, we really got to kind of retinker some stuff and really start focusing on the defensive end and play balanced basketball. Cause that's the best teams in the league right now. I mean, the teams in the playoffs right now, they all play really, really good defense. So I think that's kind of the next step. And I think most of the players, uh, kind of recognized it um, on exit interview on the exit interview days. Okay, quick, yeah. quick, quick answer because we we got to get to the next segment. Quick answer: Do you feel like that missing piece is going to come internally, or is it going to come externally? I think the missing. I think it's going to have to be both. I think the I think who's on the roster right now has to take a step forward internally and, and defensively. And I think Miles has spoken about that. I mean, all these guys have spoken about that. Um, but external is part of the addition process, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through um, you know free agency. Um, you know, internally could also be let's you know we haven't gotten to see guys like JT Thor, Kai Jones as much towards the end of the year. Didn't see much of James book. I mean, it was, it was funny. I walk was there too. It's on Friday. Like, we haven't seen you in a while, Kai. Like you just, been, you've been in down in Greensboro, <laughs> just kind of soaking up games, soaking up minutes. I mean, um, I'm really in purple hair dye. Oh, it's, yeah, it's that's glorious. It's glorious. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see where those guys are at in summer league. Cause I think they have real, real defensive potential. I think you saw from JT a little bit more this year. Kai um, didn't necessarily get into a whole lot of games um, that were non- um, that we're kind of still in, in non-garbage time minutes, I guess. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to have to be both, I think, internally and externally. But I think that's all kind of part of the team-building process for everybody. Doug, why are you laughing at our guests? Why are you smiling? <laughs> What's just, going on? I just respect it. This is what intent It's an expert dodge by say I'm going both. I say, is it going to be internal? Is it going to be external? And he says, I'm going to duck and dodge and dive. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Sam. But it's, it's – I look – hey, man. Defense needs to improve. 
And I think that's what's going to take place here, whether it be internally or externally. All right, Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Thanks to Shady Rays for uh, helping us out here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We'll come back, talk more about the exit interviews. What kind of impact did Montrez Harrell and Isaiah Thomas provide for this team? That's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm, I'm a little, I listen, hold on. I, now see, uh, I, we couldn't just blow by that one. Well, you had because this is what frustrates me. You know, I'm uh, under the weather. You know, I'm not at hundred percent right now. And you're, you're just taking it to me. You're like one of these people that knew Nick Batum had a hand injury and they were just slapping his hand. Cause it's like, we're going to get, we're going to knock this guy's hand because we know he's injured. And that's what you're doing to me right now. But I just want to say, Sam, if you're listening, you're more than a numbers guy. You have heart, you have soul, you have agency. You are a person. Love you, Sam. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I will say Sam is the guest that we fight over the most. Like it doesn't matter whether we want his respect, whether we want him to understand how much we both love him in different ways. Like that is the one. And Doug felt the need to say that. And we've kept that soundbite in for a long time now. Like Sam is the guy yeah. we fight over. Yeah. You know, you both have all my respect. Maybe, you know, Doug, you got to kind of work a little bit, work your way back in a little bit after after missing the last two times. But right. as of right now, today, you're both on very equal uh, playing fields at the moment. All right, I'll All right, Doug, best. you got some work to do. There you go. Um, Sam Perley joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Let's go, let's go with uh, Isaiah Thomas um, and his exit interview real quickly. I, I thought I thought uh, Isaiah Thomas and Montrez had some interesting exit interviews for very different reasons. But I do think Isaiah's was more so about embracing the mentorship role of LaMelo Ball. I thought that was awesome. Like, it was one of my more favorite moments uh, of the two days where he truly embraced it. He talked about Kobe Bryant reaching out to I, to himself when he was, like, a couple of years in the league, maybe still with Sacramento, and how much that meant to him. And he just wanted to provide that for LaMelo. And it seems like Melo really took that to heart as well and, and respected the veteran coming in, 10-day contract, finding a rest-of-the-season contract with the team. Um, what did you make of Isaiah Thomas's exit interview, Sam? Uh, it's a bug flying in here. Um, <laughs> that bug here. Come on. Um, Get out of here, bug! I thought it was – it's just – he's just one of those guys, and I not having obviously been around him, it's just it, – he just is such a great – motivator and speaker and is just so good at kind of reflecting on his journey and uh this is a guy that i think is just when you take a step back i mean he has seen it all in his nba career i mean such a unique path he's been you know as mr irrelevant in 2011 um in sacramento had to kind of work his way into the rotation gets traded to phoenix um and then becomes traded to boston and then is 
you know, not only one of the best players in the league, but also one of the most popular players in the league. I mean, that run he had with the Celtics was, um, you know, he was top five in MVP voting. I think he was third in scoring at one point, taking the Celtics into the playoffs, deep runs in the playoffs. And then uh, to kind of have it all, you know, vanish with that hip injury. And then he kind of bounces around from team to team and never really finds his, you know, just had a hard time finding his footing. It was, it was awesome to see him find maybe what he was looking for here. And I think he said a few weeks ago uh, when the Boston, when Boston was here, he said something to the Boston media that kind of stuck with me. He said at some point during this past, like I'm not chasing the Celtics, Isaiah Thomas anymore. I'm kind of, I, I don't, I don't need that anymore. And I think he really, I wouldn't say he found a sense of closure because I think he still has plenty of basketball in him, but I think he certainly found, I think for the first time, this was the most fun Isaiah Thomas has had playing basketball during this stretch in Charlotte. And I think a lot of that comes with the leadership standpoint. And I mean, even in that first game against Cleveland, I mean, you didn't necessarily expect him to play, but he's, he's standing up, he's calling out plays. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has been a two time, you know, two time all-star has been an all NBA point guard. I mean, he could very easily come in and say, because of what I've done in the past, this is how I expect things to go. And it wasn't like that at all. And that was really, really incredible to see. And I credit Isaiah Thomas, not only for a lot of the strides LaMelo made this last couple months, but a lot of the strides the teams, the team made the last couple months. I mean, he was ready to go at a moment's notice. If it's coming in for five or six minutes, just to calm down the offense. If it's, I mean, even in that Washington game, um, at the end of the season, he, I think LaMelo got poked in the eye or something and had to kind of get treatment on the bench and they put in Isaiah and he comes in and, and scores 14 points in like four minutes and, and doesn't miss a shot. And it's just that, how hard is that to do? Like just yeah. cold, just come in right. and just get 15 points and kind of, you know, really help the Hornets finish off a win that they needed to kind of keep pace in the play in tournament standing. So um, I thought he was invaluable to not only Lamella, but all the guys on the team. He's so relatable. He's been the last pick of the draft. He's been a star. Like he's been, he's seen it all. He's been in playoff games. He's been traded midseason. Like um, it was awesome to see. It, it really was just so, from a so personal let's stay, standpoint. Let's stay on the mellow. I mean, what you mentioned, you know, he made some important strides towards the end of the year. What What were those strides? I mean, what, what are the what are the things that he did towards the end of the year that uh, you you felt like he really improved on from year one? I think just kind of controlling games. I think it's I think this is a tough part of the season, especially playing more meaningful games. Um, and we saw we saw Lamelo play obviously last season at this point of the season, but it was always kind of like you you knew the wrist coming back from the wrist injury is just going to take a lot of time. But to be able to kind of play his best basketball, his shot selection, I thought was really good. Um, I love, you know, seeing LaMelo play together with Terry, uh, or sorry, with Isaiah. I mean, there were times when LaMelo and Isaiah were sharing the court together and I think kind of playing off each other really helped him a little bit, taking a little bit of pressure off him. I think there were times, um, I want to say it was either in the Boston or Brooklyn game here at home where I think LaMelo had, uh, I think the Boston defense and Marcus Smart were really just kind of forcing a lot of turnovers right off the bat. And I think, um, having Isaiah, I think Isaiah came in for just a stretch to kind of calm down the offense. Lamelo goes back in after halftime, doesn't turn the ball over once in the second half. I think just having kind of somebody else to take a little pressure off of him to kind of be in his ear a little bit, because, uh, like I said, Isaiah has been an all-star. He's been a, you know, he's been a really popular player. I mean, there was nobody more popular in the NBA during that time than, than Isaiah Thomas in that 2016, 17 stretch. So, 
um, I think just everything. I think it's a lot of it is just kind of in the locker room stuff. It's stuff you don't necessarily see, but you could definitely feel his impact um, on the court in more ways than one. And I think that obviously really kind of helped uh, the team finish strong throughout the regular season. Yeah, and he came in along with Montrez Harrell. And Montrez Harrell was a different type of player than we've seen in a long time here in a Hornets uniform. I mean, just all over the place, crazy high energy, is going to play you know, 100% every single play that there is in a game. And watching him offensively, when he developed a crazy nice pick and roll with Lamelo, oh, he was battling on the boards. I think even in that Hawks game, he was salvaging some of that offense that was not good in the first half. Mm-hmm. He goes to the free throw line. He goes like five of six. He actually did some work in the half court, hit a couple field goals. They needed him. And, you know, I don't know if he's going to come back. It's going to be hard with this Miles Bridges match if they decide to do that. But, Sam, I just want to talk about the kind of impact you think Montrez provided to this team this year when he came over at the deadline. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, you said, it. I mean, energy, passion. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that you just absolutely hate playing against because he just doesn't take any plays off and he can sort of, I mean, I, you know, anytime he gets those and ones or something, I mean, he just gets the crowd going. I mean, it it can, it can have more of an impact, I think, than just the, obviously the point scoring. I mean, he can get, he can turn a crowd quickly. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. And I think, um, you know, he was awesome energy wise. I think he really helped kind of take over those backup center minutes. I think moving PJ back to the four, a little bit more full time, the last, um, you know, six weeks of the season, I think that really helped PJ's game because he obviously played. um, I think I thought he played really well in March and April. So um, Montrez was great. I think it's, um, and like you said, yeah, that Hawks game, he played really well. I mean, he can kind of come in and just, he can give your team a little bit. This bug is still bothering me right now. (laughs) Get out of here. Where where are you? Where are you right now? Is it a hornets. fly? It's a fly, yeah, or it's a right. gnat. Hey, I'm doing fly. my best to kind this of. This is the Hornets building, not the fly building. I was gonna say, yeah. like, if it's a hornet, you just gotta let that thing live. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't kill the mascot. Yeah, you're in, you're in, on the you're, you're in their podcast. house. Yeah. Not, I should. Yeah. I should. This is very unprofessional, kind of getting distracted. <laughs> I should be, you know, in tunnel vision. But uh, back to Montrez. Yeah, I thought he was great. I think it's, um, you know, really kind of helped shore up the front court to kind of end the season a little bit. I think they were, you know, they just needed a little bit more of a punch in that area. And I think from on the yeah. court and um, from a leadership energy standpoint, again, a guy that's been to the, I think he said he'd been to the playoffs every single year. This is the first time he hadn't gone. So um, definitely, you know, he's going to be, he's a guy that's going to be in the league for a long time, just because a lot of it is with the intangibles that he brings. What's your face, Doug? Why are you making faces? Just <laughs> there's something going on in that brain. Like you're just you see Is it about the fly again? Is it no, what? I wasn't thinking about the fly. Just I mean right. Montrez Harrell. I mean, they need you know, this organization needs more players. I don't think it's gonna be Montrez Harrell, but they need more players like Montrez Harrell that have that he was intensity that challenge the team, that challenge the players yeah. in the locker room, that challenge the organization. Uh, to to beat that's how you beat expectations is you have those kinds of players around the organization not at the you know it would help if they have those players at the beginning of the season and and not acquiring them you know at the trade deadline and I I think that's got to be an offseason priority yeah and, and the deficiencies of Trez are there like no doubt especially defensively we could talk about him being undersized at the same time he's always going to be you know 
for the little stretch that he played, I mean, that was a fun stretch. Like we had some fun Montrez Harold moments. And so that's really cool. By the way, I thought we might get a Mike Pence moment for Sam where he just has to let this, uh, let the fly kind of <laughs> land on his head. <laughs> and maybe there'd be a Sam Pearly fly Twitter account. That's what I wanted to see. If you'll go back to the video, I think it did go across the camp. You won't be able to see if you just listen to the audio, but it did go across. You'll see it at some point. So I'm not just making it up or trying to mm-hmm. kill time or something like that. The fly is definitely there. I think I scared it away to the other half of the room. That All fly right. is well, as intimidated of you <laughs> as I've been these past couple of times. You've yeah, been exactly. Um, yeah, I, I like the cats better than the fly, but the fly is still entertaining. All right, let's talk a little about Built Bar. This is the time of year that a lot of people have given up on New Year's resolutions, especially when it comes to staying fit. But you don't have to do that. You can stick to your resolution by eating right with Built Bar. If you haven't tried the puffs, they're great. The limited time flavors are awesome, but also the OGs, like just the original chocolate, maybe even the coconut chocolate. Those are the best. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, they're high protein protein and they can replace your candy bars because they taste so much better um go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order again use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com we have one more segment with sam pearly coming up next on the locked on hornets podcast this is locked on hornets have you fallen out of love with uh, Lonnie Walker yet, or are you still in love with him? I think there's still a chance. Yeah, I think there's I know, still a too. chance. Yeah. I think he's uh, <laughs> playing pretty well right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Sam Purley helping us talk about some of the exit interviews. You brought up PJ Washington and and we talked a lot about PJ. I think when we talked about what went right for the Hornets just yesterday, Doug had PJ like as a 2A, 2B scenario with the improvement from Miles. And I think certainly you look at the defensive end of the floor for PJ. I think you talk about him moving to that four. That really helped him with Montrez and just his sheer existence, right? Just having Montrez on the team, allowing him to go back to that four. But he also shot a lot better within two-point range at the rim. He was above 60, and he was not good the year prior. A lot of nice growth from PJ. And we'll see, like, his future is going to be really interesting. But you mentioned it, Sam. Like, I I really do think he played really well this season. Um, You know, where do you kind of rank him as some of the brighter things that happened this year with the Hornets? Yeah, I thought it was really good. And I, I do like him playing that small ball five. I think it works maybe better if it's kind of sort of a curve ball in the game. Whereas I think it's, I think you have certainly have some limitations from a size and rebounding standpoint, just being, a, and it's been kind of acknowledged, you know, that, you know, the Hornets struggle against lengthier teams, but you saw too, kind of throwing in um, the best example I can think of is that Hawks game that kicked off. I think it was the homestand in March where, I mean, he can just pull centers. I mean, you throw him a small ball center. He can pull centers out to the line. I think he really won that game. That was the game he had like 14, 15 points in the fourth quarter and just pulling Capella out of the paint. So I like his versatility. Um, and I think kind of going, maybe using him more back and forth between the four and the five, um, just makes him that much it gives you a lot more lineup flexibility i think having montrez to uh the addition certainly made that more possible beforehand not nearly as much but yeah i thought it was great i mean he, he, i think he was a uh, you know one of the brighter spots in that hawks game he hit a lot of big shots yeah. in that second quarter that kind of kept them in it a little bit um within striking distance so um and defensively too i think he just did a lot of stuff that you know, loose balls, rebounding. I mean, it's stuff that doesn't necessarily show up in the box score, but I think he made big strides and, you know, he's a guy that can is slowly being uh, more capable of guarding um, 
you know, players three through five, you know, two through five, you can put them out on the, the perimeter and things like that. So I thought he made a lot of nice strides this year. Um, a lot of which maybe aren't necessarily going to pop up in the box score, but especially on the defensive end, I thought he took a really nice step forward defensively. What were your yeah. expectations of this season? Like, be honest, like, what, what, what did you expect this team to do at the beginning of the season? Like win total? Yeah. Win total or, or just overall result. So it's interesting because Sam Farber, Rob Longo and I went back because we made predictions at the start of the year and I said they'd have at least 42 wins. So I almost just <laughs> nailed that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, no, I, I, I love the additions coming in. I love the Mason edition, the Kelly edition. Um, I thought it was kind of, um, you know, I, I think you kind of going into the year, I think you knew Kai and JT might be, you know, spending some time in the G league. I think, um, in the, the James book night, Cody Martin thing, um, or I, I should say kind of those backup two minutes um, kind of work. It's work itself out in training camp. So were you surprised by uh, Cody think, Martin? Did you expect James Booknight to get more minutes? It seemed like Cody Martin's emergence, you know, I mean, he was, <laughs> he was leading the league at one point and that's point another what went percentage. right thing. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. another what went right thing, you know, for, for the Hornets we didn't address yesterday. But did that, did and, that surprise you that James Booknight didn't get more minutes this season? Um, I wouldn't say it necessarily. If you think you kind of look on paper and you know, you looked at, I thought the addition was good because I certainly, certainly think it, you know, you go into training camp and you kind of look at the depth chart and you kind of, you kind of pencil in a little bit what's going through your head and say, Hey, it's going to kind of be between James and Cody. Cause you're not going to play 12 or 13 guys. Um, you know, you kind of cap it at nine and 10, and it's going to come down to Cody and James and, you know, Cody, I think on the defensive end probably got the nod because of what he can do, you know, guarding perimeter guys being that disruptive. And, um, you know, I think maybe coming into the season, I it's certainly James might have, a, you know, I guess, you know, lottery pick kind of coming into the season, you assume you're going to get a lot more playing time. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily transpire for one reason or another. And that's not to say that's not going to happen in the future. I just think it's, um, you know, everyone's path is a little bit different, but uh, I was really impressed with the strides Cody Martin played. And that's not a knock on anybody that he beat out for minutes. I mean, he took a big step from three point range. Um, he talked a lot about the off the court growth that he made for with, with his brother, not being around for the first time in his basketball career. So, I mean, I thought he was really good defensively as well. I mean, he's always been really keen in that area, just getting into passing lanes, blocks, steals, kind of that dirty work too. So, um, I think back to the original question, the expectations, I, they were kind of right where I expect them to be. I wouldn't necessarily have thought 43 wins was going to be a 10 seed. I think I thought 43, 44 wins, they would have at least into that top eight hosting a playing game, if not possibly a top six, but uh, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. Yeah. I, I think if you would have told me 43 wins, I wouldn't have expected 10 Eastern conference was awesome and they got to figure out how to keep pace. That's just how it is. Right. I mean, nobody expected it, but at the same time, that's what's in front of you and you need to figure out how to keep pace. Last thing I do want to talk about it. It is JT Thor. You know, here we are talking about James book Knight and Kai Jones as the rookies who get the most attention, at least media wise, because they're the two first rounders. You get James book Knight, who kind of falls, you trade back um, with the New York, you trade with the New York Knicks to go get Kai Jones. And then JT Thor comes over with that 37th overall selection. You get in the trade with Mason and you could argue JT was the most impactful rookie for this team. Like I, I think you saw some awesome stuff for the second youngest player in the NBA draft. Like that, that's what goes Kai Jones is supposed to be the project JT's younger and, and also long 
can defend a whole bunch of different positions. Like offensively, you could see him try to put the bet. It's almost like a fawn learning how to walk, right? Like you could see him put the ball on the basketball court a little bit, try to do some stuff. What did you think of JT Thor in the rookie season he had and his expectations, maybe his potential growth going forward? Yeah, I'm really excited about him. I think you go back to summer league and I don't watch a ton of college basketball, so I didn't really see him at Auburn or anything, but watching him in, in summer league for the first time. And it's like, you know how kind of when you watch guys, I'm not by any means like a scout or anything like that, but you look at him and you can just kind of tell, oh, okay, he's got it. Like he's got a feel that is a little bit different. He's got the size, he's got the length. He looks really, really comfortable handling the ball. Like there's a lot to work with here. Um, and then, you know, like I said, he's still very young. I think he just turned, I think he's still 19. Um, he doesn't turn 20 until August. So, cause he reclassified a year going into high school. So he was young. I think he either didn't go to his final year of high school or graduated early or something. So yeah, I, I love every, I mean, he just, you watch him and it's just, man, he just, everything about him just screams length, size, wingspan. I mean, his shot looks really smooth. Um, you know, you saw him play a little bit more of the four. I want to say when PJ, PJ missed some time this year with injuries and you saw a little bit more JT. Um, I think ideally he, he said he wants to kind of be able to play that three through five, but I think there's a lot there. I mean, the fact that he's still not even 20 years old and you kind of just even scratching the surface of what he can be. I'm really excited for JT. I think there's, a lot of potential with him. I think there's a lot of potential with Kai and James as well. And, you know, for whatever, and just kind of going back to the last point, it's just, it doesn't mean just because they didn't play a ton this year that they're, you know, you've compromised their futures or anything like that. Sometimes it's just rotation. Sometimes it's just kind of a, a depth thing. And it's only so many guys can play. And, you know, it's just sometimes the way that things worked out, but I thought they made a lot of strides, particularly at the Greensboro in Greensboro this season, for sure. Yeah, I think Jalen McDaniels, his emergence this season mm -hmm. probably put put some of the clamps on the the more Thor movement. That's okay because, I, as you yeah. said, I mean his comfort level looks great. You know, I, I think de defensively he surprised me with just like how well he knew where to be. You know, I think that's that's where I expect rookies to struggle the most. But he looked very comfortable out there defensively. Made some great help defense plays. Had some nice blocks. Um, but, you know, offensively, I think that's where he, you know, handling the ball, uh, making good decisions with the pass. That's where Jalen, I think you can rely on him mm -hmm. a little bit more. You could this past season and I and, you know, hopefully, you know, Thor makes those improvements well, in the offseason. Think think about the lineup possibilities with a PJ, Jalen, JT like that's that's a lot of length that can move pretty decently well laterally you know that 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 is a, a fun lineup to think about and it I it's funny James Booknight I was surprised that he didn't play as much this year not surprised at all that Kai Jones played as little as he did if anything it's not like JT played a ton but I'm surprised JT played as much as he did even still you know it, it's just not mm -hmm. something you expected for your second round pick and even then him being the guy that Borrego wanted to go to. And I think rightfully so for some of the situations that called for it. I, I found that interesting. And by the way, the whole fawn learning how to walk thing, like the idea behind that was that it eventually is going to be a fast animal. That's very smooth. I hope people got that comparison. So that's, I just didn't want to act like he's really awkward and it's going to stay that way. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, that's good. Good clarification. Clever. I just Thank wanted you. to make sure that people, I don't know. You know, you should have clever. What's a fawn. 
<laughs> so I'll teach you variance and fawn later. I'll teach okay. you the definition of those words later on. All right. That's Sam Purley joining us. Go follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Purley writes for hornets.com. Awesome to have him on. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate the time. And uh, can't wait to talk to you again soon. Hopefully Doug will be on with us again. Yeah, we'll make it two in a row. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Shoot for the stars. Like the attendance. I was like taking attendance over here. Present. That, and right. check. Doug is with us once again. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your second listen. Locked on NBA. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.